Today's episode is brought to you by Drift Outfitters in downtown Toronto, Ontario. Drift Outfitters is your source for all things fly fishing. From waders and boots to thread and feathers, Drift has it all. They're now open for in-store shopping, but with a COVID times twist. Along with mandatory masks, a few other things have changed. So check in on their website to find their latest updates and policies. Safety first, fly fishing second. Curbside pickup for your online or phone orders is still a great way to get all the gear you need. And they're still shipping across Canada for free on orders over 100 bucks. Visit driftoutfitters.com to learn more. Hello and welcome to another episode of So Fly. It is the middle of August uh, and we're recording another show. My name is Mitch. We've got Aldo. Hello. We've got Yelma. Hello, everyone. We're very excited to be talking with, uh, I guess we've been trying to get on the show for a little while now. He is a, an angler and a guide down in Montana in the uh, Bitterroot Valley. Uh, we've got Chad. Chad on the show. Chad, how's it going? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Doing very well. Thanks for coming on. Good to be here. <laughs> Where Betsy are you calling in from today? So I'm calling from Lolo, Montana, here in the Bitterroot Valley, actually uh, sitting in a little back cubby hole in the shop while they're keeping things going in the shop. So Nice. <laughs> Holding it down. Yeah, you were saying you were stocking right. some flies earlier. That's what, what busy day today down at the shop? Yeah, just reorganizing that fly box, man. That's That can be tedious. It's fun <laughs> work, but holy smokes, your eyes get buggy sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> totally, man. Oh, man, tell me about it. Well, we're super stoked to talk today about uh, about the region you fish, and and obviously Montana's uh, been a, I mean, it's a fly fishing mecca. It's been a huge interest of ours for a long time. We've we've made lots of friends in Montana, so we're stoked that uh, we're we're talking to you today and, and making uh, making another friend in another region. Um, but uh, I guess before we get into it, what like what are you fishing for right now? Like, how's your season been going? So it's it's actually been going really well. Um, it's August, so we call it the dog days of August. It's an early on, early off type deal. Uh, fishing terrestrials, hoppers, and stuff like that. Yeah. Morning PMDs. Actually went out a couple of days ago, saw some trichos for the first time. Nice. So that, that's, that's coming on. That's going to be fun. Mm -hmm. But yeah, some dry fly fishing, dry dropper, that kind of stuff. But water temps are, are slowly coming up. So got to keep them wet out there. But fishing's been good this summer. Yeah. It's been good. Yeah. What's a tour? Uh, what's a tourism been like? Like, have you seen uh, like tourism? Obviously, with COVID, I don't know if it's changed in the state. Huge uptick. Really? Know, so springtime. Yeah, well, when it all started in the spring, it's just like, man, all my trips were canceled. Everybody yeah. shut down. It was just like, oh, my gosh, what are we? what's going to happen, you know, this summer? And then now it's like it's the best way to social distance. So I, I'm right on the, I'm right on the uh, Highway 93 out here. And if you sat there and you were to count cars going by, it's like – seven out of 10 have out of state plates. Yeah. You know, so everybody's coming to Montana right now. So it's actually been pretty good for all the guides are busy. The shops are full. So wow. it's kind of a weird blessing in disguise, unexpected thing. So yeah, it's yeah. been kind of cool. Nice. Yeah. Coming from, it's interesting you say that just um, coming from Ontario, uh, we know our friends that uh, own an outfitting business uh, up in a region called Tomogamy. He's got a canoeing and, backcountry outfitting business he's got i think usually a fleet of 60 canoes they're all sold out until the end of yeah. september Jesus, crazy amount of in province and out of like an intra-canadian 
um, interprovince travel, which is great to see because, yeah. like you said, huge stress in the spring. Seen a lot of we're seeing a lot of new anglers or first time anglers wanting to get out and get into it. Yeah, I booked I booked a trip yesterday and it's just like, well, you know, what we're used to doing, we can't anymore, and we can recreate right here at home. So a lot of locals that haven't really got into fly fishing are now looking at that as a viable alternative to to do with their families because you know Disneyland trips and you yeah. know traveling destinations that are shut down. So people are staying mm -hmm. close to home and and enjoying what, what we have here already that's right underneath their noses. That's great. I mean, that is definitely a good, uh, yeah, byproduct of the whole thing, right? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Chad, you, you, you guide, you, you, oh, just so, and you, you guide, you teach history and you opened a fly shop this month, right? I, you forgot wrestling coach. <laughs> <All right. laughs> really? And you do a lot of stuff, Chad. <laughs> yeah, no, I, so I've been guiding since, oh, I've been guiding since 2000 pretty steadily. And I just decided I was going to throw my hat into becoming an outfitter and running my own, running my own trips and stuff like that. And then I met the guys at total outfitters and, and created a relationship with them and got the fly shop going. And I've, I've always wanted a fly shop, man. I've been, I've been hanging around fly shops since I was a little, little boy um, in Washington state, those Kaufman fly shops over there that were pretty famous and, and I knew someday it was going to happen, you know, and, and the stars kind of align. It's weird out of this whole COVID epidemic, the, the silver lining for me was I was, I was getting a fly shop and man, I, I couldn't be more happy. Oh, that's awesome. What, like, what kind of stuff have you had to like, what are some of the challenges you face in getting this going, especially right now? I can imagine it's kind of tricky to start a fly shop. Yeah. You know, really just the inventory, keeping up on the inventory that's coming in. It seems like every day we've got new product coming into the shop. So getting it into the system, cause we're going to be going e-commerce with it and, nice. and building, building that side of the, of the store up and, and uh, keeping up with the social media and the pictures and the content. And a lot of that, I mean, that's, that's not something you usually think about. I mean, I, I, I love being a fly shop geek, but at the same time, you know, I want to be in the water and behind the oars. So yeah. that's been, that's been interesting. And then getting qualified people in the shop, you know, to, to work with the shop and we've got a terrific staff that's helping us out. So yeah, it, but they're fun challenges, man. They're good problems to have. Yeah, totally. One of, one of the problems I've got right now is I can't find brindle shoots. I can't, I can't find a supplier for brindle shoots. So every morning when I come into the shop, I tie at least a dozen new flies to put into the bins just to keep them stocked. <laughs> Cause I can't get him in right now. So I'm cranking out bugs at the same time. So oh, that's man. fun. Yeah. That's fun. That is fun. That is a cool, that, that is, is a kind fun. of a neat thing you got to do. Well, why don't we, why don't we go like all the way back to how you got into like, just to put a timeline to all this stuff. Cause like you said, you're a history teacher, your fly shop owner, your guide, wrestling coach. When did you, let's start by when did you get into fly fishing and how did you get into fly fishing? Oh, that was kind of weird. So my dad used to take us fishing all the time and this is kind of a cool story. So my dad was actually in federal law enforcement and we were all over the place when I was really young. And then he decided when I got old enough that I was going to be going to school, like middle school and high school, he's like, all right, we're going to settle down. And we actually settled down in a small little town outside of Seattle, Washington called Snoqualmie. Okay. And so, and dad grew up in the Pacific Northwest. So this is where he was going to settle down until I got out of school. Right. So I remember the first time he took us fishing and he took me and my brother fishing and he had a Colorado spinner and a worm and he was just dragging it through. 
And my dad's really a bait fisherman, but we caught this fish and I was like totally freaked out. Right. And I'm just like, Oh my gosh, what the heck? But I wouldn't even take it off the hook. I was that freaked out. Yeah. And it was, it was cold. I mean, I didn't want to touch this thing. And my little brother, he walked up to it and grabbed this fish, unhooked it, threw it back in the water and away we went. Yeah. And, but I just started analyzing it and it was a year later, I kind of cut my teeth on fishing around steelhead Nice. and we're fishing the Snoqualmie river again. And my dad was plunking, which is basically chuck out a bunch of lead. You got a spinning glow with like sand shrimp or, or a row sack. And you just sit there and wait for a steelhead or a salmon to come up and bite the hook. <laughs> and I was bored to tears. <laughs> yeah. Bored to tears. So I go doing my own thing and I, I'm wandering down around and I see, I see this guy casting a spay rod. Now this is like mm. 1980. Oh, wow. Yeah. 1981, 80, oh, wow. 81, 82. And there's this old timer out there. I was born. <laughs> yeah. I mean, a long time ago, especially to see a guy with a two hander. Right. And I yeah. didn't know anything about it. And I saw him casting this two hander and I thought, Oh, that's what I want to do. And then I watched him hook a fish and you could hear that old hatch reel just singing, oh, man. Yeah. That's cool. I mean, and of course I had to go over there and I watched him land the fish and he had this pipe in his mouth and it was so wrong. And this little tweed, uh, not a tweed cap, but I don't know, some kind of a, a wool cap on yeah. and, and man, I thought that was cool. So I went up and, and was telling dad, I got to get one of those rods. And of course my dad, he was a bait fisherman. So he bought me, uh, it was like, a, an eight foot Eagle claw, like <laughs> seven weight. Right. And, right. and that was it. So I'm self-taught. And then I, I, I did that and I started tying flies real young too. I was reading old outdoor life and field and stream magazines and, yeah. and any book I could find on the subject. And, and no kidding, this is real life story. I, I literally duct taped a pair of vice grips to the kitchen table <laughs> and would tie flies on those Eagle claw snelled bait hooks. Cause that's okay. what I had. That's what my dad fished with. Yeah. Right. So I'm always cutting the thread and I was <laughs> using mom's sewing thread and yeah, yeah. I'd get chicken feathers out of the, out of the chicken coop. And, <laughs> you know, and, and then I met a lady, an older lady and that was kind of camping on the place because we had a spot on the property where people could bring their fifth wheels and trailers. Yeah. And she had a Thompson a vice and she gave me that vice and gave me my first lessons and, wow. and, it's been wow. a slippery slope and that's where I've been ever since. I tie every night, yeah. every day. It's just, I don't know. I, yeah. I, I just, that's, that's where it's been. So, yeah. That's it's, great, it's man. Really cool. I love tying stories where it starts with like, uh, like people started tying with like just the most random shit they could find, you know, mom sewing <laughs> thread, a vice duck to the table. Like, I love that. That's such a great way to get into fly tying. Yeah. And I probably own, 15 vices now yeah. and I've, I've got different vices set up for different flies you know here in the fly shop i think i've got four set up on the fly shop depending on what what i'm doing and where i want to be with it that day so yeah man well it's my creative outlet you're certainly <laughs> like extremely passionate angler i mean i think we, we ask this question a lot but i, I always curious about what people say like what was it about fly fishing? Like once you got into it, cause I know initially it was seeing that guy spay fishing and seeing the tweed and like the whole thing. But what, when you were in fly fishing and you started doing it and you were getting vices, what was it about the sport that, that kept you going and wanted you to do more of it and buy 15 vices? And you know, what was it? There's that always, there's, there's always something to learn. I mean, yeah. and I, I guess it's a, it's a way to stay humble for me really. Mm -hmm. Um, 
So my brother, and I mentioned him in that first story, my dad thought that, that my younger brother would be the fly fisherman and, and not me, but it was the, every single day I'm learning something new. And I guess that might, might also relate to me being an educator, but even when I'm out guiding, I want to learn something new every yeah. single day. And I, and I do. And if, if I don't, whether I'm catching fish or not, to me, it's a success when I've, when I've learned something new or I'm putting something mm. else into my quiver, you know, whether mm. it's a new casting technique, a new way to tie a bug, yeah. a way to improve something. That's what it's about for me. Learning, yeah. And then it's just sitting in there, standing in the water and letting that water flow through your legs. It's just so calming and stress, you know, oh, just yeah. leads the stress off. Totally. Totally. That's a really good, in, a really good insight in terms of like, you know, even if you don't catch a fish, like what did you take away from that day? Or if you did catch a fish, like do you take something away from that? Yeah. Or do you just, mm-hmm. I think that's when I started becoming a better angler was it, it stopped being like, Oh yeah, I caught a fish to being like, why did I catch that? Exactly. Yeah. You know, slurping rise, mayflies, gulping rise or splashing rise, caddisflies. I've noticed that on the river here. If you got a, if you got a fish that rises and splashes around, it might be eating a caddis. But if it's like the sipper, then, you know, they're taking those little PMDs or those little mayflies like you see on the looking for noses. And you can tell a fish, you can tell the size of a fish by the rise. I mean, you guys have probably seen that. You know, it's like, oh, that's a good fish or ah, don't worry about that. It's, yeah. You know, it's a little, it's a little dink over yeah, there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, man. Well, I, I mean, that's, I mean, that's a great answer. I think it, learning is an awesome aspect of the sport. Um, when did, how did you get into guiding? Like, where did that come along? You know, I actually did my first guided trip over in, uh, Washington state and wasn't a licensed guide or nothing. One of my, my art teacher in high school was a guide in the summer times. And, and he says, Hey Chad, I need some help. I got this big trip. Do you mind coming and helping me? And I was like, well, heck yeah, man. So we were on the Snoqualmie <laughs> river and he just had me babysit some clients because he knew I was fishy and I was sitting there and we were, we were nymphing for steelhead <laughs> and I babysat these guys and I'm like, oh, this is cool. <laughs> and then uh, when I got to Montana, you know, first thing I did was walk into a, a local fly shop and tell them I want to be a guide, went out, got my guide license. And yeah, I, that's how I stay busy all summer guiding. Was it fly fishing that took you to Montana? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. I was trying to find a place where I could do everything. I mean, I, I can't, I, I'm not an idle person. I'm, as you can tell by my resume, I'm constantly busy, but mm-hmm. I wanted to be close enough to the steelhead, but away from the cities and then have some spectacular fishing. And so where I live, I mean, I'm, I'm two hours away from the Clearwater and the Salmon Rivers to swing steelhead. Mm. Eight, eight hours to the Olympic Peninsula, and then in my backyard. I mean, I'm 15 minutes away from the river. So, I mean, I'll spend three or four days a week on the Bitterroot, and then I'm, you know, a few hours from the Missouri. I'm on the Blackfoot, on the Clark Fork. So, Amazing. not that far away from Henry's Fork. So, I get to see it all and do it all. And that's, I thought this is a good place to do it. And here I am. <laughs> so good. Yoma, my friend, what were you going to say? Before oh no! I was just saying you don't look like a, you don't seem like a a person who is very wishy washy. Once you want, once you've decided, that's it. You're taking, oh, yeah. you know. There's no, there's no like, no. Nope, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, when I when I when I talk to the guys at Total Outfitters about this, I'm like, all right, I'm all in, and I did, man. I I am 26 days straight now without any day off, either in the shop or on the river. Wow. Mm-hmm. 
I think my first day off is going to be this Saturday. Oh, you, right on. What are you doing? Oh. Are you going fishing? Right. I'm going to the mall. Yeah, I'm going to head over. To- <laughs> oh, right on. <laughs> that's awesome, man. I love that. I love that you, went, um, you came to Montana because of your passion for fishing. I think that's so awesome. Yeah. I'll, I'll drink to that, but please don't judge me, Chad, on, on you know, yeah, bottles. Drinking- <laughs> a bottle of champagne. We're all drinking beers and you're almost just drinking a bottle of champagne. It's all he has. Have. <laughs> um, can you explain a little bit about Total Outfitters? Because it sounds like it's it's maybe is it like a franchise kind of thing you buy into, or or how does that work? How does it, your your because so, your flag is called Total Outfitters, right? Or, yeah, it's, it's Total Outfitters. It's a you know total group of companies. Um, the parent company's been into like um, fire and rescue, dealing with uh, oh. training and stuff like that. And and Randy, the the director and owner of Total Outfitters, is just a real fishy guy. And uh, I kind of, I responded to an ad, you know, with COVID when it was coming around, I was like, man, what am I going to do this summer? What am I going to do with trips? I got to, you know, I got to at least make some money because I am a school teacher and I, I got to feed this habit of fly fishing. <laughs> so I was just looking for ways to get trips and I responded to an ad. Next thing I know, you know, they're recruiting me hard and, and wanting to start um, an outfitting yeah. fly shop here in the Bitterroot in I was like ripe for it. I'm like, are you kidding me? Really? Oh, exciting. <laughs> I'm your I'm your guy. But I mean, I guess it was pretty competitive. I don't know. Randy's told me that there was hundreds and hundreds of applicants and and uh, I stuck out and and they pushed hard and we came to an agreement and here we are and and we're loving it. Randy, Randy's a fishy dude. He's awesome. Man, he's he, he's crazy. We're on the phone every day and talking business, but mostly talking fishing. So yeah, <laughs> That's it's funny. it's an insane group of guys and it, and it's it's fun times it's fun times that's cool you guys all came together like that is there are there like a lot of fly shops in the area or is this kind of like uh the, the only one no where we're located is between like missoula which has got several fly shops in missoula and all of them are awesome fly shops and then there's fly shops in hamilton and we're kind of in between the middle you know yeah and Great, great location, great facility. Um, you look out the window to the east, and and there's a herd of 150 elk, literally. Wow, Jesus! Sitting out in that Whoa. pasture. Not today. The farmer went in there today and decided to cut the hay, so he chased them all off. And I was like bummed because uh, I'm like, God, <laughs> on it. You know, now we're not going to get to see the elk, but yeah, that's wild, man. So, Montana sounds like I've never been to Montana. It sounds like the most amazing place ever. Uh, it really is. You, you, you were supposed to go. Yeah, we were, we're supposed, supposed to go. To, yeah. We're supposed to be there right now. Yeah. Oh, COVID, I know. Man, those borders. Oh but it's my, son called, my son called me this morning. He says, dad, there's bear crap in the, in the driveway. And I said, what? He says, I, yeah, dad, there's bear crap in the driveway full of service berries and bear tracks walking up the driveway. Oh man. And I'm like, oh, great. Oh, That's man. why the dogs were going nuts last night. <laughs> so we had, we had a, we had a visitor last night. <laughs> oh oh man, man. That's cool. I love bears. Yeah. yeah, you're almost terrified of bears. Terrified. <laughs> <Just thing. laughs> yeah, it's cool. I like how it's cool to me that so many fly shops can exist in in Montana. You know, in in the towns of Montana. Like, how how is it like just being a naive Canadian up here? How is it possible for so many fly shops to all coexist like that? And the reason why he's asking that question is we have one in Toronto, just the one. We have one in Toronto. Yeah, one in yeah. Uh, basically Ontario. There's like there's like two shops. You know, it's like. You know, I don't know. I, people, it's kind of maybe part of the culture. You expect to see one. You know, if you, if you drive hmm. more than 50 miles and don't have access to a fly shop, yeah. you know, you're hurting because there's so much fishing. I mean, you can, right. 
100 mile radius of say Missoula, you can fish. At, well, let's say a 50 mile radius of Missoula, you can fish 150 different streams and bodies of water. It's wild. You know, so I mean, and every drainage. So the, much. Yeah. yeah, the Bitterroot, the Bitterroot mountain range here, every mountain range or every canyon coming down every drainage, there's a creek there and they all feed the Bitterroot. And yeah, there's tons of places to go fishing. So you need access to fly shops. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And each fly shop kind of caters to its own geographic region, I think. That's cool. That's mm-hmm. neat. And right. that makes sense. That makes sense because they're sense. experts yeah. on that area, right? And Exactly. Yeah. That's wicked. I love that. I think that's a, such a cool Bitter thing. It's known for its, for its dry flies. I was, I was checking it out a while ago, trying to, you know, looking at some stuff and they're saying like the Bitterroot River is like the third or fourth most fished river in the state, but yet not very many people know about it, but yeah. behind like the Madison, the Bighorn, and of course the Missouri, the Bitterroot gets quite a few people coming up and we got some pretty famous hatches. Like in the springtime, the Squala stonefly is just lights out. Oh yeah, geez. Really the most popular fishery mm. for that for that bug. And it, it's crazy, crazy good fishing. Oh really? Uh, and this is just a big, big bug that just comes out and the fish go bonkers. It's like it's like a size ten, size eight okay. stone fly, but it's not like your salmon fly. Your salmon fly that comes in June can be like they're like hummingbird size big, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, they are. When they, when they come off, they, I mean they come off and there's hundreds of thousands of these bugs in the air, but the the squala it, it doesn't hatch like that. It's kind of intermittent. It's really dependent on the weather, the temperature and stuff like that. Yeah. And it's the first major bug to come off after winter. So the fish are like starving and right. the, the fishermen, the fishermen have got cabin fever yeah. all winter. So it's the perfect storm and, and the bitterroot. Yeah. It's, that's one of the best time of years to fish the bitterroot is during the swallow hatch in the spring. Oh man. So maybe we let's talk about the Bitterroot Valley a little bit. Like I have no, I really don't know anything about the Bitterroot Valley. Where, where where is Bitterroot Valley? Where is that? Southwest Montana. So it's in Ravalli County. So Ravalli County borders Idaho, and then you've got the Bitterroot Mountains to the west and the Sapphires to the east. And so there's two forks that make the Bitterroot River: the East Fork and the West Fork. The West Fork comes out of the Bitterroot Mountains near Idaho. And then the East Fork come out of the Sapphires and they form up near Connor, which is kind of south of Darby, Montana, making the Bitterroot River. And then, you know, the the Bitterroot Valley is an agricultural valley, but I mean, it's a developing valley. A lot of people are are moving here um, because of the, you know, just what it has to offer. They call the Bitterroot Valley uh, the banana belt. Okay. So meaning that we don't get really harsh weather summer and winter time. I mean, we get some days in the winter that are pretty cold, but not like what you see in central or eastern Montana. Right. I think I think it might get like below zero, up to 10 below max, maybe for a week, week and a half in the summer. I mean, in the winter. Yeah. And then in the summertime, like right now, we're just coming off a heat wave. I mean, it's been in the 90s and, and it's made mm. fishing challenging. Got to get on early, off early or stay real late. But yeah. Right. But not like those horrific windy days, stuff like you see in eastern Montana, yeah. you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. With the snow coming down and like, you know, early fall and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We've seen that. That's crazy, man. I love the name. In between the sapphires and, and you said, uh, which which other mountain was it? Bitterroot. The Bitterroot. Bitterroot. Yeah, the Bitterroot, the sapphire. I'm like, geez, it sounds like such a cool place. It's such a magical place. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the Bitterroot. <laughs> 
they're named after a, a flower that had a root that um, the Salish, Native American Salish would actually eat that, the root of that flower. And it's bitter. I mean, so in my, in my history classes, you know, I've, I've gone out and got some bitter roots to, to try out with the kids. And it, oh man, oh, really? I don't know how those, those Native Americans ate those things. They're, they're awful. <laughs> <laughs> really? Eh? But it's a really, really pretty flower. Okay. And, and they, blah, they bloom, oh, late spring, early June, you know, and, and they're pretty rare flower. Actually, a really rare flower. When you do find them, you know, count yourself lucky. Oh, really? But, yeah. So, and then the sapphires. Googling right now. There you go. Google it. Yeah. The bitterroot flower. Kind of a bluish pink flower. Yeah. Wow. But they were, they were a very important food source for the natives here. Okay. Why don't we get into that a little bit, the history of that area? Because obviously you're a history teacher. You know a lot about the history behind this region. Uh, yeah. I'd love to know more about, I, before this. Before we started recording, we were talking about like Lewis and Clark and Sacagawea and all this stuff. Take us through some of that stuff. I don't even know where to start. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'm just trying to think, which history lesson should I abbreviate for you? <laughs> yeah. about Lewis and Clark, of course. So Lewis and Clark did come down through the Bitterroot Valley, on their way um, to the Pacific Ocean, they were looking for the Northwest Passage and they never found it. Right. And kind of one of the cool stories is um, Sacagawea is pretty famous on the Lewis and Clark expedition, and and she saved that expedition so many times. But she met with she met up with her brother Kamehameha um, at Ross's Hole, which is just just outside of the Bitterroot Valley, kind of up on the pass and. Uh, they realized when they saw the Rocky Mountains, there was no way they were just going to grab their canoes and up and over and away we go Quick down the portage. Yeah. Yeah. That wasn't going to happen. It was like hundreds and hundreds of miles of the nastiest mountains you could imagine. Yeah. But, um, when Sacagawea met Kamehameha, her brother, she'd been kidnapped years, years and years before and married off to this French trader named Toussaint Charbonneau. And then, Jeez. um, they're like, how are we going to get over these mountains? And now we're going to deal with these Indians. And Lewis was like, oh, no, this is sketchy. Yeah. And Kamehameha, <laughs> Sacagawea saw each other, and they're like, oh, wow, that's my sister. And, oh, that's my brother. And oh, my God. So long story short, instead of getting wiped out by these Indians, yeah. the Indians gave them a whole bunch of horses. And up and over the pass they went, and they were able to get to the get to the Snake River or the Clearwater River, then the Snake, and on down to uh, the mouth of the Columbia and able to make it to ocean so Jesus. yeah that's a really condensed version of that story yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 that's pretty lucky though man that you just bump that into lucky, uh, yeah. you know a friend can you imagine that scene oh hey yeah. you know starved <laughs> <laughs> to death though oh really so yeah they're coming through the bitterroot valley if you if you read their journals i mean those guys were starving to death there was no game here oh None. really yeah um they 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 were able to catch some whitefish although and and i I have to figure out where it was at, but there was two brothers on the trip, the Rubens brothers, and they talked about how they caught 150 trouts and they call it trouts. Right. And they had a slash under their necks. And I'm thinking yeah. cut, right? Oh, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. 175 in a day, you know, that night they were just like famished. That's so. insane, man. <laughs> Can you imagine wow. what kind of like uh, what kind of like challenges would the like would Lewis and Clark face coming through the Bitterroot Valley? Like, what sort of stuff would they come across? Well, you know, back then, I I think the natives, you know, obviously would have been a, would have been a challenge. Any kind of uh, 
any strangers of their valley, they're going to look at real closely. And they were warring with other tribes. And, and lucky for them, they had Sacagawea with them and her son, yeah. uh, Pompey, or what they, his name. Um, but the fact that a, a, an Indian woman was traveling with all these men meant that they weren't on any kind of... I like this guy. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, oh, he popped out. Oh. That's okay. I'll, he'll jump back in, I'm sure. Well, we lost Chad for a quick second here because our internet's collided. Yelma, how is that champagne? I really must know how that's going down. It's a little too sweet for my taste. Okay, come on. For, now, for my liking. Christ, that was for your birthday, man. It's delicious. Thank you so much. Yeah, no problem. Although, thank you so much. I actually don't know where you got it from. It wasn't from me. What is that? Sparkling Bombino. What is that? That's not champagne. <laughs> <laughs> It's, uh, you know, the finest uh, sparkling wine that $8 can buy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I'm drinking a 40 Creek. Yeah. Double-barreled whiskey right yep. now, the new whiskey, and it is tasty. The tasty. double Is that the double cask? Yeah. Dude, I, I love actually, the double cask. Actually, the double cask is so good. I love the double cask. New for this year, and man, good but, call, 40 Creek. I've been making whiskey sours with the double cask, and it's wavy. We're back. There we go. No worries. Yes, welcome back. <laughs> yeah, I think that they, they hit that there's some construction going down the road. And I know earlier today we had some spotty Wi-Fi. Oh, no worries. It's all good. Um, but we can just pick up where you were. You were talking about um, the trip for Lewis and Clark, some yeah. of the stuff they were facing. Yeah, so I don't know where I was, but but when they when they finally met up with Kamehameha and them, yeah. they were able to get some horses. And then finally finished the trip up and over the mountains. And uh, some old Indian named Old Toby brought them up and over. And they're they're hitting these mountains in September. So you got to understand, September is like right before winter. Oh right, mm. right, yeah. Almost starved to death. They they had to eat one of their horses. And jeez, oh, it was just crazy. But the bitterroot was kind of the, the bitterroot was tough on them. Yeah, it was tough. Yeah, yeah. And it's still like the landscape's still pretty. I mean, if we were to go there today, we'd be like, yeah, I don't know how the hell you would have just kind of portaged through this region. Like it's oh, pretty yeah. wild, eh? Yeah. And it's absolutely spectacular. In fact, I'm looking out the window. There's still a little bit of snow up there on the top of the mountains. Not much, but. That's cool, man. So middle oh. of August, you can see some snow way up high. Must be nice to see the mountains. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking out my window. We, we have hills. <laughs> I'm looking out Yoma's window and all I see are apartment buildings. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, um, yeah, when I was in Montana, I guess I would have, Missoula would have been my first stop as I moved west to east. So in relation to Missoula, you're south of that, right? Yeah. So the fly shop's probably 15, 20 minutes south of Missoula. And then, uh, you know, south of us would be Hamilton, another 20, nice. 30 minutes. So we're kind of right in the middle of the valley. Well, the top half of the middle of the valley. Could you imagine? Yeah, you just missed your point. Like in the middle of this vast landscape, especially back then, and you're like, oh, oh, I know this person. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, she was kidnapped as a young girl yeah. and taken to the Mandan villages in North Dakota, married off to some French fur trapper. Yeah. And so, of course, Kamehwe, of course, she was lost. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, five, six years later, she's got a baby and she's with all these white guys, yeah. you know, on their way to the ocean. <laughs> it's like, how does that happen ever? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's such a weird thing. Wild. Oh, man, totally. 
And also that region too, uh, a river runs through it, right? That movie we all know. The movie. The film. The movie. It was shot in the Bitterroot Valley, right? Or at least in that area. Well, Blackfoot, Bitterroot. The Blackfoot is kind of north and east of here just a little bit. The Blackfoot comes into into the Missoula area, and we do a lot of trips up on the Blackfoot. Um, Gorgeous, gorgeous country. Absolutely Mm -hmm. gorgeous. They actually filmed the show, though, on the Gallatin River. Oh, really? Yeah, but the the you know the setting for the show is yeah. you know right here, just north of the Bitterroot Valley, the Missoula Blackfoot area, and stuff like that. And I'm sure there's some shots in it, but yeah, yeah, that yeah. changed that changed everything about fly fishing in the state of Montana. Oh yeah, yeah. totally, absolutely, oh for sure. Does that does that region still see some? Should I say fallout? <laughs> from, yeah, from people trying yeah. to retrace uh, Brad Pitt's footsteps there. Oh, oh yeah. I get clients on the boat that ask me if shadow casting's real and if I know how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's that was awesome. hilarious. <laughs> and depending, depending on how the day's going, you know, I can have a lot of fun with that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, like this. Check this out. <laughs> Just yeah. crazy. crazy the number two awesome. bunion bug. Do you have any bunion bugs? Sure. <laughs> yeah. Got a bunion bug right here for you. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Man. Uh Hollywood. I know. But how, how accurate, like, was the, do you think, the, how accurate of a depiction was it in, in Montana life at that time and fly fishing at that time? Oh, I, I, you know, I think it was pretty, I think it was pretty accurate um, as far as, you know, there weren't that many people that actually fly fish. So for Norman, you know, Norman McLean and the family that he yeah. portrayed in it, certainly there were those people that were, I guess you could say purists back then. Most cool. of them probably were bait fishermen, but there were those people that, understood what fly fishing what it means to be an angler rather than a fisherman yeah Mm -hmm. and there's definitely a distinction you know an an angler is somebody that's wanting to just immerse themselves fully into everything that is offered by nature and the river and the fish and the insect life it's it's holistic rather than just going out and i want to catch a bunch of fish put them on a stringer and eat them yeah Mm -hmm. yeah exactly exactly in that regard it, I guess the good thing that came out of that movie is it it's made an awareness of conservation and, you know, you don't have to kill these fish. You can enjoy them yeah. year round, you know, and watching them swim away with the opportunity to catch them again. That's thrilling, you know? So I think that it, it's mm-hmm. made mm-hmm. the awareness of conservation and the need to conserve our resources. You know, I brought, I brought it out to the forefront. So that that's a good thing. I use it in my classroom. We watch the river runs through it every year in class. Nice. Oh, right on. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. That's amazing. Do you think that um, like Montana as a whole, like culturally, is geared towards, and the fishing culture is geared towards uh, catch and release and conservation, or is it sort Definitely. of split? Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, especially fly fishing. Yeah, there's going to be those people that go out there and they're going to catch and keep some fish, and there's certainly a place for that on certain waterways and and systems where we do need to keep some of the fish, but, um, man, I can't remember the last time I've even had anybody even ask if they could keep a trout. Hmm. They just kind of know if you're fly fishing, you're you know, it's catching release. Yeah. Yeah. I think everybody around here really thinks about it. Even the farmers. I mean, so, so we've got a reservoir at the top of, of the West Fork and the, the local TU chapter trout unlimited. I mean, they actually purchase water from that reservoir send down the river to keep to keep the fish wet and cold you know so that's that's really cool so a lot of people i think it's just part of the culture here now i mean everybody's aware of it and careful with it 
Yeah, and I mean, it's like such a huge industry there too, right? It's like you got to protect it because it's like, I mean, we see the benefits of catch and release. It helps business. Hundreds of millions of dollars come into the state just for trout. That's crazy. That's awesome, man. That's, yeah. that's good. It's good to see. I'm happy to hear about that. If only other parts of the world could adopt the same thing, but hey, it's a process. We're trying, right? It's a process. We're yeah. trying. Yeah. We're getting there. We're getting I there. think we're winning. I'm confident. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, we're trying to change hearts and minds in Ontario, you know? <laughs> Ontario likes Ontario likes to keep fish, man. Everybody in Ontario. <laughs> I will say. Northern Ontario people just like eating fish. I don't blame them, but, you know, it doesn't work as well as it used to, you know? Like, we, we can't yeah, fill up stringers. Yeah. yeah. Anyways. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, Aldo, please. I was going to say, yeah, I've, you know, I've been in Montana twice and every time I've gone is for fly fishing. So I've always wondered, like you mentioned very early in our chat about locals getting into fly fishing uh, or trying it out for the first time. To me, that like boggles my mind. But like, is there, uh, because I'm like, you're in Montana, why yeah. don't you just fish? But like, is there, is there a, a, a portion of, I guess, local Montanas that just don't fish? Or maybe even kind of resent fly fishing in a way, like oh, those goddamn fly fishers. Are... Um, no. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great answer. I mean, there's. I'm happy about that. You, you might have you might have landowners that have um, property that adjoins the river, and they might get annoyed that you know somebody's there. But Montana has the stream access laws, which basically means that the the river, the water belongs to the people of Montana. So as long as you're in the river, you're not trespassing. I mean, it's, it's ingrained in our, and, it, and it's gone to court and it's been protected by the Montana Supreme Court several times. So, you know, you respect property rights, but the river belongs to the people. Yeah. Mm. And so the people, I mean, if I see moving water, I know I can fish it, you know, provided yeah. it's not a canal or a ditch. If it's, if it's a freestone river somewhere, yeah. you know, you, and you can get onto it, you've got access. That's your water. That's cool. Mm. That's cool. That. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. That's the way, that's the way it should be. Right. I mean, yeah. Um, so these days, what's got you excited about fly fishing? Cause I think, I think as anglers, we're constantly kind of evolving our, uh, you know, what, what we're, what we're jazzed about and what we're the way we're fishing, the styles in which we're fishing. What's got you excited lately? Learning new stuff all the time. Like I always want to learn more. So I've been, I've been intrigued with spay casting and two handers forever, but now I'm getting into trout spay. Yeah. Um, about five years ago, I picked up my first Euro stick and, and I'm like, oh, well, I've been tightline nymphing forever, but now there's a whole industry around, you know, Euro nymphing with, with rods and leaders and tippets and, and all that kind of stuff. I've, I've fished with some really cool people that, I mean, got this stuff dialed in. So to me is I want to learn. It's exciting for me to not only fish traditionally, you know, with your, your five weights and your casting dry flies. Now I'm doing it trout, trout spay, taking the stuff I did over on the coast and applying yeah. it to trout in these rivers. And that's something that we're doing here at Total Outfitters is, you know, we're doing trout spay trips on the Bitterroot. I know they made it cool. really successful on the Missouri, but yeah, trout spay, baby. I think that's going to be fun. <laughs> I, I love it. I love getting a two-hander out there. In fact, I'm getting ready to go to a spay clade in Washington here. Oh, nice. In about nice. a week and a half, and that's all I got on my brain right now. Yeah. I love that. Um, I mean, they're great rivers to spay fish. They're huge. So, yeah. like, to cover, to be able to cover water is, is it just makes sense. That it's a great place to. And, and you know, the, what's cool about the Bitterroot and Trout Spay is it's interesting water. 
not to take anything away from the Missouri, but the Missouri's huge, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I love going over there and the fish are big, but here there's all different kinds of water yeah. that you can swing, you know, and, and really what Trout Spay is just swinging soft tackles, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I, I absolutely love that, that idea that, you know, we're now offering it to the public, you know, through guided trips and things like that. And it's, I love that. It's going good. It's going good. Do people have, are you finding a lot of your clients, do they have, is, I'm sure it's attracting people who spay fish normally maybe. Um, but is it like kind of a split or, or do you, people that have never done it before, people that love it and now get to do I it? I think people home? that are, so I think of, people that are into two handers are, they know it, but right. to, mm-hmm. you don't see, you don't see very many people doing it here on the Bitterroot River like you do, you know, you just go over the hill to Idaho and, and everybody's swinging for steelhead. Mm-hmm. But trout spays really become popular and, and more and more people are doing it. And the Bitterroot River is such an interesting river to, to swing for, for trout, especially in the spring and fall, yeah. especially in the spring and fall. Mm. That's cool. Yeah, I mean, Why is that? Yeah, that's just the, the best time of year to do it. I mean, right now, everybody's right. fly fly fishing. You know, it's, it's, that's, right. what, that's yeah. what we're yeah. famous for. That's the bread and butter. But, you know, when, when the dry fly fishing kind of tapers down, um, then you can get out there and swing soft tackles and streamers yeah. and, and still be actively doing something interesting and new. Um, yeah, it's really fascinating. It's fun. It's fun. And it, I think it's going to be great. Yeah, it I think it's cool, going to go well, you got the trico hatch coming up too. You're saying, what, what's the trico hatch like down like down there? Is it like just is it as bonkers as it is everywhere else? <laughs> um, it can be. Yeah. It can be like once again. I mean, it, it's just de- dependent on weather, you know, and temperatures and things like that. Yeah. When you're when you're fishing the bitterroot, you know, you find that spot where oh my gosh, there's bugs out. Then you slow down and you start looking for noses. Right. right. Yesterday I was out and you know we saw the bugs and we immediately stopped and we anchored up and then we're sight fishing, casting to individual fish or pods of fish. Then the hatch kind of dwindles down, you float down again and you kind of time it. Um, knowing that there's going to be a hatch at a certain time. So you kind of launch, you know, several miles above where, you know, the, the, the hatch is going to come off. And so it's a timing thing. Yeah, you know, right. it's a timing thing. That's why it's important to have a really good savvy guide with you. Totally. <laughs> like yourself. <laughs> yeah, like hey, like me and the guys here are total. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, Absolutely, true. man. 100%. Um, okay, so every show we do a segment called Mitchie's Fishies 5, and it's uh, the same five questions that we ask every guest on the show. Yeah. Um, so we're going to ask you the questions now. Uh, and, yeah, they're just uh, just take your time answering them can, as long as you want. Um, cool. Kind of, it kind of a feeling. I'm excited for this one, actually. Yeah, <laughs> I'm stoked, man. <laughs> it's going to be interesting, you know, thinking about this, knowing that you guys are going to ask me this. I'm like, all right, where am I going to go with this? All right, <laughs> we'll just wait and see what happens. <laughs> I love it. I can dig that. Okay, so okay, so the first one is, what is your favorite fish and why? Steelhead. Nice. Absolutely nice. The rainbow trout. Um, the rainbow trout slash steelhead, yeah. just what that fish has got to go through to get up here and spawn. I mean, I'm yeah. so, I, I've got reverence and awe mm-hmm. and respect for that fish, especially mm-hmm. the ones in Idaho. And I guess specifically the steelhead that come up the Clearwater and make it to the Salmon River. They got what, five, six, eight dams do they got to go through? Jeez. 
all of them. I mean, they're circling the globe, it seems like, and dealing with predators and nets and commercial fishermen. And then all of us that are trying to get, meet them too, you know, I wrote a, <laughs> yeah. I wrote a blog and it's on our, it's on our website called the fish of a thousand casts. And yeah, you're not going to catch very many of them, but when you do, Oh, I just love to Mm-hmm. just say hi to that animal and just respect him. And it's like, all right, buddy, yeah. go take care of it. You know, make, make a batch for next year. <laughs> oh, totally, man. Well, why specifically to Idaho? Is it uh, that you're more overwhelmed by them? Is it just because they're the terrain is that much more? Yeah. I mean, you're, you're fishing in, in this mountainous, this is an animal that had come from the ocean eight, 900, you know, 800 miles to get to see you yeah. and just everything he's gone through, not to mention everything that we put in their way with dams and don't even get me started on dams. I'd like to get rid of them all, but yeah, sure. um, just, just to survive and make it. And then me being lucky enough, talented enough, whatever it is, the planning that goes into a trip. When I, when I plan a trip over the Clearwater, like I'm getting ready to go to the to the coast of the Cowlitz, you know, in Washington state, but here, October, November, when I start swinging for them in Idaho, I'm obsessed with it. I'm tying different flies. I'm thinking about what kind of head I'm going to put on my line, whether I'm going Scandi or Skagit and, mm-hmm. and it's, yeah. it's cold and you're freezing to death. And that's all <laughs> part of the adventure. Really. Yeah. I mean, you've got to really want it to go get one of those and, and you may go, three, four days and only touch one fish and not even land one. Yeah. But then the next trip you get rewarded by one and it's just, mm-hmm. it's such an awesome thing. So the steelhead right off the bat. Yeah. That's probably my number one fish, but there's something about predatory brown trout too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Different so that's a close second. Steelhead's uh, great. I love that, man. The, the steelhead's got my respect of any animal out there. I, I can. Yeah. Yeah. Steelhead. I'm, I'm with you there. The air up here is starting to change. It's starting to feel more folly. I don't know if you guys are noticing this. It's just Not starting yet. to feel it's more folly. It's been it's been kind of like last week. It was kind of cold and the air was starting to get kind of crisp. And at this time of year, I'm starting to think about September and I'm starting to get excited for steelhead season up here. Great Lake steelhead, but I, yeah. everything you're saying, the cold weather, the shitty rain and everything, Fall, I can't fall wait. Fall is... Falls a special time around here for us. Yeah, man, it, it is here too. Yeah, falls my favorite time of year. Absolutely, I love it. The fishing's the fishing's more technical. It's more difficult. You know, everybody's been after them, and then the people leave, but the fish are still wary. Yeah, so you got to be on your A game to catch them. And yeah. you know, mm-hmm. brown trout are spawning. The specks. I think you guys call them specks up there. We call them brookies here. Yeah, brook uh, trout. Yeah, we call. Yeah, them we say brookies. Yeah, some yeah. people say, but spe- yeah, we say both. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, so we can get those in some of the lakes over here, Georgetown Lake, but nice. yeah, fall's a magical time. And then, you know, hunting season here is, is a really popular thing with people yeah. to get out and, and go deer and elk hunting and things like mm-hmm. that. So, yeah. yeah. God, I can't wait for fall now that we were talking about this. I'm so stoked on fall. I'm happy. <laughs> I'm still kind of happy in the summer thing, Yeah, <laughs> to be oh, honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, swing, swing, swinging, swinging flies. Yeah, man. Steelhead. Swinging flies in, uh, in the fall is... Yeah, that's that's a cool time of year. It's a good time yeah. to be live. Yeah. Oh yeah. Totally. That's for sure. Um, okay, number two is if you could fish anywhere in the world right now. Uh, there's no COVID. It's been eradicated. Fishing season's the best it is in that place you're going. Where would you go? Why would you go there? Oh man. Well, I, 
I immediately want to go to my go-to answer. I want to go to British Columbia and look for look for big native steelhead. But honestly, I'll tell you right now, I would love to go to the Seychelles looking for giant travail. Oh my god! Yeah, that'd be sick. <laughs> that'd be sick. My uh, com- my computer fell with that answer. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I I don't know something that will eat you. <laughs> yeah. I like the idea of giant travail. Like, that would be <laughs> that would be cool. Yeah. That would be so cool. I could go anywhere in the world. It'd be it'd be there. Oh yeah, man. Do you think you're ever going to make your way down there? Oh, I will someday. Hell yeah. I don't know when, but I will. It's on the bucket list and I I will definitely get there someday. I just got to find some people crazy enough to do it and Mm -hmm. convince, convince my wife that I need to go away (laughs) for a month. Yeah. Cause I'll I'll have to spend a month doing it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a hike. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, it's a hike. So you might as well. Yeah. 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 Stop in yeah. Zambia on the way and fish some tiger fish. Yeah, you know. Oh yeah, yeah you got to do the whole thing and either yeah, I'd have to end with giant travail. I'd want to I'd want to do all the other stuff you can and all the other species, but I'd want to once I've caught the giant travail, then I'll feel like all right. Yeah, that was damn cool. Yeah, that would be cool, man. I could dig that. Okay, number three That's is so cool. uh, what is your best fishing memory? Best or favorite fishing memory ever from all the years. <laughs> it's like the hardest question ever. I know. <laughs> There's so many. Yeah, this is insane. Best fishing memory ever. Uh, could it be like... Um, Does it have to be about a fish cod? Could be about a really great can of beans you had once. I love beans, man. Fish and beans, a hit different, you know? Yeah, oh. no. I, <laughs> it, it, uh, oh, man. Best fishing. There's two of them. I got two of them. So so I'll, I'll make them short so I can get them both in. But the, the coolest fishing memory ever... It wasn't even fly fishing related. Me and a friend of mine, um, Pat Milliman, we would go fishing for uh, bullheads or catfish. Okay, yeah. And and we were keeping these, and and we had no idea where. We just heard of this place called the Smack Pond. Okay. I don't know why, but uh, they call it. Just somebody said it's called the Smack Pond. You can go put the smack down on these fish. So we're looking <laughs> for it. It, it, was, it was like a. It was like this nasty, filthy pond, and it had lily pads on it. It was like your your stereotypical, this is a place where you're going to go catch fish. And we saw this old lady sitting on a bucket, yeah. and she's got a red and white bobber, and like 12 inches below that, you know, uh, a night crawler. Okay. And we we walked up to her, and we says, what are you, what are you fishing for? And she says, well, anything that'll bite the hook. <laughs> yeah. You know, and and. and <laughs> And then we all, we caught anything and she sat up and sitting in this bucket where all these bullheads. Yeah. Oh, so wow. we started, we started catching these bullheads and we actually caught one and we were throwing them, but we didn't have any string or anything. We just were throwing these fish up on the, up on the shore. Yeah. It was actually a bridge that was on the asphalt. And yeah. at the end of the day, this catfish was still alive and we took it home and put it in a cooler yeah. and an aerator and we kept that thing alive forever. And I actually got it. My nickname is Catfish Chad. That's my email name. Oh, nice. And I, I kind of picked up this nickname Catfish from that day. So that was that was kind of a cool day. It just it just popped in my head there. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Craziest fishing story though, coolest fishing story ever. And this is a true story. I was I was steelhead fishing on Tokel Creek at the mouth of the Snoqualmie River, and I hooked this fish. And it was on that rod I was telling you about, that eagle claw. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And this, this, it was a big male, and it took off downstream. Oh, and I had no drag. 
It was one of the very first steelhead I'd ever caught, and it spooled me right down to the backing. Oh, and, of course, oh. I'm, I'm a 13-year-old kid, and I did not have a decent knot, and away it went. Boom. Oh. Completely spooled, right? Yeah. And I'm just dejected. So I go walking back and to the car. So I must have been 16 because I was driving. Mm-hmm. And I went and got my bait casting rod because that was the only other thing I had. Yeah. Walked back up, started fishing again, and I see this fly line in the current oh, <laughs> it's kind of i'm like what this so i grab the fly line and sure way. enough it's my fly line i tie it off to a branch run back to the car and it was a dodge aspen it was my dad's car yeah thread it thread it through the eyes tie it on like two or three overhand knots onto the reel and crank the sucker in yeah. and that fish was still on no, no fucking way. way landed the fish and it was the first fish Back then, I was like, you know, catch and release. It was like if you caught a steelhead and if it was a hatchery and had a clip fin, you took it home. But I let that sucker go. Yeah. And, you know, that's when I said I will never kill one of these fish again in my life after what it went through and what I put it through. But that was – but, I mean, to – and this was like two, three hours later that I saw that fly line. Wow. You know, thank God. I think, no, I think that's awesome. Thank God you did. That's crazy. Yeah, you saved that fish. Yeah. You know, what a beautiful fish, was, too. Presence of mind to tie to something, I would have been like, I would have been just start trying pulling to hit Oh, yeah, hand yard it in. Yeah. Hand yard it in. No, I wanted to land uh, this legit on a fly rod. <laughs> that's cool, man. Wow. Chad, Chad, I, I used to do this segment called Factor Fishy, and that would that's have been a, an amazing that's a total Factor, factor fishy. fishy. That would be a good Factor Fishy. We got to <laughs> bring that back. Unbelievable too. story. Yeah. We got to do yeah. more Factor Fishy. That that would be a good Factor Fishy. That's crazy. I'm actually, you know, my best friend in the world, Pat Millman, can verify because he was there with me that day. That's crazy. <laughs> that's cool, man. Great story. That's a great story. And that's your first steelhead, too, eh? Yeah, that was the first one I landed with a fly rod. <laughs> that's wow. wild. <laughs> Yet. Okay, well, that's that's a great memory. Um, number four, Mitch's Fishies Five, uh, is why do you fly fish? Why do you fly? What do you get out of fly fishing? Oh man, why do I fly fish? <laughs> Ooh, it's spiritual, man. Existential yeah. question. Yeah, it, it's spiritual. I just it's the it's the one way I know that I can, um, I guess, give back to Mother Earth. I can partake in it. It's beautiful. I love the rhythm of casting. I love creating the flies and thinking about the fish that might take my fly. I love tying flies for my clients and watching clients catch fish on, you know, every, when you're in my boat and if I'm guiding you that day, every fly that you'll fish with will be hand tied by me. I don't, I don't take shot bugs unless I, unless I'm doing foam like a Moorish hopper or something like that. But all of my flies are hand tied by me when you're fishing with me in my boat. So it's just the whole experience. Yeah. Everything, the casting, especially swinging, you know, and, and getting into that rhythm of, of the cast and the step. And then when you do get a take, it's almost, it's almost like a rude interruption to what you were doing. It's like, Oh my gosh, I just, <laughs> that was a take, you know, Yeah, all of it. Even when we hike up to the high mountain lakes and casting a rod. Um, yeah, just the, the whole notion of fly fishing. It's, to me, it's the epitome of what will create a true angler. And, and that's my aspiration is to be remembered as an angler. And I think the best way to do that is through fly fishing. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Great. Good answer. Good answer. Yeah. I love that. Number five, Chad. Favorite question. If Uh-oh. you, if you were a fly, what would you be? What fly pattern best represents you and why? You tie oh, all your flies. You tie all your flies. I need to know what fly is the Chad Williams. 
What fly am I? Catfish Chad, what fly are you? <laughs> yeah, catfish. <laughs> I, we might have to develop a fly and call it the Catfish Chad. That's a cool name for a fly. <laughs> what, what fly am I? I would probably be one of my really cool soft tackles that I'm using for trout spay, at least right now. I've tied so many flies and I'm aware of so many different flies. I, I you know, probably be a soft tackle. I love that. Oh. What, what kind of soft tackle? Like, what, what, what does this fly look like? Paint a picture for us. So right now I'm, I'm working up patterns for the bitterroot, but I'm just, I'm thinking of like, I don't know if you're familiar with the sparrow, but it'd be, it'd be like a pheasant tail body. Yeah. Okay. Wrapped with some wrapped with gold wire and like a soft hen hackle coming off just a really class, I guess the classic spay flies really. Yep. You know, but but something in real natural colors, not the real expensive exotic feathers that you get, like the jungle cock and stuff like that, but just a real traditional, the Carolina. Yeah. Carolina. The Carolina. That's me. I could dig that. Yeah. Yeah. Something just real classy and, and soft tackly. That's me. The, the Carolina. I like that. I like that. That's good. Have we got a Carolina before, Mitch? I don't think so. I mean, I don't think so either. Everyone's different. We've got a couple of woolly buggers, but I can't wait to We've got a few woolly buggers. Yeah, we've got some woolly buggers. <laughs> yeah, we got the Carolina. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. That's all, I love that, man. That's I love I that's love, a great that's a great answer. I love the the traditional materials, the down to earth kind of materials. I can see that, Chad. I can see that. I like that. That's yeah. Mitch's that's Mitch's vibe for sure. Oh yeah. Carolina? Yeah. Yeah. Well just traditional soft, all traditional soft, soft my, i'd say my fly was the lady caroline i think when i answered it that's what mine was i think it was like uh, <laughs> which is just i love that fly too i i think i just got fall in the brain now chad after speaking about steelhead your first question <laughs> i just can't stop thinking about fall now but yeah that's great well stop thinking about it Mitch. i'm a temple I'm, dog I'm, I'm, a I'm a temple dog kind of guy when it comes to steelhead love flies. the temple dog man oh my god yeah i'm still a very very much six years into this to this whole world so i don't i can't pick a fly i don't feel like i'm seasoned enough to pick a fly. <sighs> we're trying there. to get we're Sail trying to get worm. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> yeah there you go exactly we're trying to get yelma on the, the two-hander this year yeah there you so, go my year yeah that's gonna be our well thing. bring him down here spring or fall bring him down in the fall we'll get him into some trout spay yeah. there sounds you go. good that'd be cool hey once, hey once this border opens up i think we're gonna Totally. You know, we can't get to Montana fast enough. Oh, my God. oh I, know. I know. Yeah. Now we've got now we've got so many friends. Yeah, man. We could do the whole state. Come see you. Work our way east. To yeah. Go see Chloe and Livingston, yeah. and then finish off with Matt in uh, the in on the, the Madison. Madison. On the Madison. Yeah, man. That, yeah. Uh, yeah, we got to get to Montana soon. I I have a bonus fishy question. Oh, baby. Oh. You're in this amazing valley. You're in you know so close to the so many storied rivers missouri the blackfoot the bitter what's your and i think i already know the answer but what's your favorite river in your region as soon as school's out the first place i go we call it the ditch i head over to the beaverhead okay okay i wasn't expecting that i was like I, mean, I, I, love, I, I love the bitterroot but i'm here all the time so i but when i want to get away and i i take about a week just me you know, nobody goes with me. I don't take anybody with me. It's just a solo trip. Mm-hmm. I take a little pontoon with me so I can float it if I want to. But I, nice. I, like, I like to go walk and wade um, the Beaverhead River because I can just get by myself and there's big fish there. It can be technical. So, yeah, I like, I like the Beaverhead. 
to walk and wade, but then it's hard to beat like rock Creek in the East fork of the Bitterroot too. Mm-hmm. When I want to get away from myself. Yeah. I like, I like a smaller stream mm-hmm. um, for here in Montana. So the river's right here and the Beaverhead's just a couple hours away, you know, so. Right. Right. Yeah, that's nice. Cool. Great. Do you have, did you have any travel plans this year? Got canceled or were you, was your plan to just stick around Montana this year? Yeah. <laughs> You know, when uh, when Total approached me with this, you know, I yeah, things were kind of up in the air. You know, I, I am going to go to Spay Clay over in Washington here yeah. on the Cowlitz River in about a week and a half. And then, uh, you know, October, I'm planning on doing uh, about a week's worth of traveling around the state, hitting the big hitting the big waters, the Madison, or not the Madison, the Missouri, Big Hole, Beaverhead, um, and then swing for some steel on the Clearwater. Hopefully we get the numbers we need. I'm cautiously optimistic when I'm looking at the dam counts right now and the fish coming. So awesome. Awesome. Beautiful. Yeah. Yep. I love that optimism. Oh, I mean, I'm 10 minutes away from some really good water. So I know that's the yeah. thing too. It's funny to ask that. <laughs> yeah, question. no, for sure. Yeah. No, yeah, you li- Oh yeah. You're in the best fly fishing in the world. Oh, where are you going to fish this year? <laughs> I know it's kind of an obvious <laughs> question, but <laughs> yeah, you never know. Right. Uh, Chad, thanks so much for coming on the show, man. Yeah, Chad, this has been great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. Looking forward to seeing you guys next year, maybe, when you come through. Absolutely. Oh, hell yeah, man. Yeah. On man. that note, it's it's your time to give yourself a shameless plug. How can people find you? How can people find Total Outfitting? What's going on? Give us a lowdown. So, right on, man. So, we're in Lolo, Montana, 16366, Old US Highway 93. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, give you the actual directions to the place. <laughs> you can find us on total-outfitters.com or email us at info at total-outfitters.com. Um, we're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. Check us out, man. Yeah, come see us. Full right service fly shop, man. Right on. We'll take care of you. It's going to be awesome. Go spend a day on the water with Chad. I mean, I'm looking forward to that. Absolutely. Heck yeah. Check out, so uh, do- check out our SoundCloud because we'll put all that stuff in the show notes as well for people to see. Yeah, cool. put that all in the show notes and uh, yeah, Chad, thanks. That's it. That's uh, yeah, it's been fun, man. I hope you have some fun fishing on Saturday on your day off. Uh, take care, man. All right, man. It was good talking to you guys. Good talking to you. Nice, nice to meet you. Nice talking to you. Thanks for coming on the show. Yes. Yeah, all right, cheers, guys. Tight lines. Cheers, man. <laughs> yeah, tight lines. Well, that was Chad Williams of Montana Total Outfitters in the Bitterroot Valley. Great show. Great guy. Great show. Now we've got um, yeah. We've got yeah. Western Montana and Central Montana. We've got so many friends in Montana. Friends of Montana now. And now we just need Eastern Montana. Anybody in Eastern Montana want to come on the show? Hit us up. Hit Let's us talk up about Eastern Montana. I want, to fish, I want to fish the big hole. We're covering the whole state because that place is an amazing place. And uh, yeah, geez. Oh, man, it's too bad we didn't get down there. So we saw joe uh from uh blue lagoon lodge in rockport we saw matt dodson obviously in the madison guide there matt dodson fly fishing and chloe up from livingston they were all together in ennis hanging out ah covid eh eating steaks and drinking red wine and hanging out with matt's dog and catching trout looks like joe and yeah matt bought a jet boat yeah, it's so sick. Matt got a jet boat. I love that. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. He's got a jet boat. He's got a drift boat. Yeah. And he has a and he has this flat skiff. And that's so sick. <laughs> what? Oh, I know. It's so sick. Eh? It's flat skiff. That's too. So, so sick. I know. So um, sick. Yo. Yeah. M- Mitch, yeah. have you been fishing at all? Uh, well, I was in, uh, I wasn't, it was, I just got back here a couple days ago and I've been working, but I'm going to go down and oh. cast. It's been raining like crazy. We had two huge storms roll through. 
Mm. I'm going to go down and cast off the dock later and see if I can coax up a little smallmouth. Nice. Nice. Do that. Yeah, you were up in Tomogamy recently, right? You were catching tons of bass. Honestly, I've just been every weekend just kind of going to Tomogamy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Uh, it, it, it really is. But can I explain to you some a little momentous occasion that I had up at the Grand River last week? Of course you may. I... I mean, I, I mean, I don't. I mean, it's the the water is there for everyone to enjoy, yeah. and so I don't want to start this like in a negative tone. But it was really hard fishing, obviously, with um, you know, the the, the float, the boats, and people stuff, who are floating yeah. on the river. Well, let's set the scene here. It's it was it was the long weekend, right? Yeah, it was a long weekend. Huh. Lots of floaties, and lots of floaties, lot, lots of floaties, a lot of floaties, and great. You know, they weren't bugging us, and they were just happy, and they saw us catch a bunch of fish. But there's one moment where like they kind of there's no more. It's like six six p.m. And the water is like black because it's like overcast yeah. and it's just, it's moving, but it's still, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, Dane and I are casting and just letting it drift, you know, letting our, I'm popping and letting it drift. And then Dane's got a stream on a little woolly bugger and just letting it drift. And we're just catching these lug, these little, uh, footballs, footballs of smallies that day. And it was so nice. It was really nice. It was nice. I like fishing bass on the grand river, man. It's fun. It's so much fun. It's such a big river, you know. You usually swing for steelhead there, and we're just swinging for smallies, and it was great. Yeah, yeah. That's a great section of the river. I, I love it there. It's one of I my love favorite. it. Yeah, it's the, it's great. The middle grand, the middle grand. Yeah, the middle grand's a nice place to fish in the summer, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Look at us all fishing apart, even though we're apart. I know. <laughs> you almost fishing southern Ontario. You're fishing northern Ontario. I'm fishing eastern Ontario. <laughs> Look at that. It's yeah. a little triangle, eh? Yeah, Eric's yeah. out in the west. Eric Lund, fish in the west. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, what will be in Elk Lake uh, next week, yeah. pretty much, um, yeah. 10 days from now. Um, our third trip with Roger and Mary, that's exciting. Yeah, we're going to go up and fish the Montreal River, go see if we can get some pike, some walleye, and bass, of course, um, and just have a good time. We're going to do a podcast up there as well, so you can expect another Elk Lake podcast, but that one we're going to be... Uh, well, we're going to record about fishing up uh, up there, and, and I guess, you know, yeah. was it the last time we went up to Elk Lake? Was it around the same time? Was yeah. It around? yeah, I think it was in August. Towards yeah. the end mm-hmm. of the season. Yeah. It was, um, yeah, we went in September um, right. for the Aurora Trout. Yeah. You know, we, we figured we love fishing for those lunds so much that why don't we just, we haven't really focused on actually fishing the Montreal River, which is where no. the resort is on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's learn about that river. Yeah, we never fish huge. the Montreal like hard, you know, like we usually just go there at the end of the day. So we're just going to go fish that and explore that and it's going to be fun, man. It's going to be good. Yeah. Some nice, we're going to we're going to catch some nice 40 40 inch pike there, man. Some huge oh, smallmouth. Wow. Oh, yeah. That's a That's a goal you're setting right that's there. That's a that's a good goal. Hey, shoot, you know, let's let's Thanks. let's shoot for the let's shoot for it. See what shoot we for the stars and if we fall, we'll land amongst the pike. Wait, we we'll shoot for the sc- Wait, wait, shoot for the moon, and if we fall, we'll land amongst the stars. That's nice. Look at you go, Mr. Champagne. Uh. Mr. Champagne. Uh. Um, I'm going to... What's going on? I'm going. I'm coming back to Toronto this weekend, but I'm, I'm probably going to try to get a fish in. Mitch, Mitch can we talk about you and your... You've got you've got a new lease on life. you got a new... You're yeah. actually living above Adis now. Yeah. yeah. You guys are yeah. neighbors. you got a new car. New car. New car. Who is this guy? <laughs> Who is this guy? He's engaged. Who's man's is this? Who is He's he? probably going to get a promotion at the Hive. He's no. going to be my boss. <laughs> Imagine Mitch, my boss. Oh, my God. On, he baby. should be. I'm already your boss, baby. 
<laughs> okay. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I got a new car. It's gonna be great. I'm gonna. It's a. It's a. It's a. So I bought a station wagon and I moved to the west end of Toronto. Don't at Pretty me. Much. Don't at me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you just won. You're you're a stroller and a golden retriever oh. away from the full package. You know. I know. <laughs> it's so true. Yeah. Can't do it all in one year. You know what I'm saying? Like, and it's COVID. You know, it's tough times. But yeah. um, yeah, no, for sure. I mean, honestly, I, I, it's funny we were talking about Steelhead there, and I keep talk, bringing it up. I I have been thinking about Steelhead because, like I said, I know it's been really hot and everything. But last week, I don't know, Ashton, like Ottawa area, not, it not got. Here, baby. We got like 20 degree weather, but the smell, I don't know if anyone else listening out there ever notices the smell of fall. Like it's not, and it's not, I'm not talking about the trees and stuff. There's just something in the air that starts to change and it starts to feel like, oh, here she comes. September's coming. The (laughs) bugs are gone and the wind, there's a coolness to the wind. And I got hit with that last week a couple of times and I was like, oh baby, you know what's coming around that corner. I was expecting it going to Tomogamy last weekend. Yeah. Um, I was like, oh, the night might be a little chilly. Yeah. It was so humid. It's <laughs> so humid right now. It's like 30 but no, degrees. But no but no bugs. Yeah, There's no, no bugs. bugs in Tomogamy right now. Yeah, so, I dig that. So everybody, go to Tomogamy. Go to Tomogamy <laughs> right now is a great time to go to Tomogamy. It is, it is wild, though, to go back to what we talked <laughs> about really quickly mm-hmm. at the beginning of the podcast. Like, I went to, I'm going back up to Tomogamy this weekend Yeah. Uh, before we go to Elk Lake. Yeah. I'm going to work from there. Anyway, whatever. Yo, I went to Mountain Equipment Co-op to just get a few bits and bobs. There's like nothing on the shelves. Yeah. Everyone decided to go camping, to get into the outdoors and to Chad's point, you know, people who live in Montana are, you know, actually getting into fly fishing. Yeah. That, that didn't do it before. And it seems like that's happening here. People who, you know, may have not camped or may not fished before yeah. are looking for ways to get out there, which I think is awesome. Yeah, I mean, I hope a lot of people go and explore Ontario because it's it's great, you know? Like, so many people don't know what they have. We've talked about this so many times, but so many people don't know what they have in their own backyard. Like, you can just mm-hmm. drive yeah. north. You just drive north, and you're in such a crazy place. You just drive. Yeah. Get in your car and drive, and you're good. Like, and then you're like, You're good Whoa. to go. And the roads are the roads are great. <laughs> yeah, you're in your there. own province. Like, geez, what a great place to camp. Yeah. But, yeah, That's I was great. expecting Chad to say that fishing had gone down because so much of it's tourism, but I was like... I was like, oh, yeah, I guess that makes sense because people are not only people in their home province, but also people are traveling closer to home maybe. So that's, that's cool. Well, I yeah. can think of like maybe people were planning to go, you know, to like some sort of tropical or like exotic fly fishing destination and yeah. maybe they weren't able to do that anymore. Yeah. I mean, look at Joe, right? Joe was like, well, I guess I'll just drive to Montana from Texas. Did he drive? Oh, maybe he didn't drive. Oh. I'll just go to Montana. <laughs> no way, he did drive. I think he did drive when we talked to him. He said he did once. Oh, really? Oh, Matt does the drive. Matt, does, he tra- Matt. Matt does. Oh, he, he trailers his boat down so to Texas. Boat, so that's yeah, which is, which wild. is wild. Yeah, so sad. Um, just well, that's cool, man. You're going to go back to tomorrow. Yeah, and Elk Lake's going to be fun. Um, listen for that show. We also have a... <clears throat> so this, this show's obviously Chad, and then we've got... Um, <laughs> we're recording tomorrow night, too, with... Uh, some friends, uh, Matt and Nick, so a couple of fellows uh, that have fished out in uh, the Nipigon region uh, of Ontario, and we we've not we have not really talked about Nipigon region. We've never fished in Nipigon. Just the one time with uh, um, on Gab's farewell show. Yeah, that's that's really yeah. all we talked yeah. about it when Gab told that's us about his trip there. So we're gonna we're, that show's coming out as well. So you can stay tuned for the Nipigon talk because I think that's gonna Man. be pretty wild. Dude, their pictures, their what? pictures is Wait, they're great. Uh, Nick's Nick an awesome a, photographer. Nick's an awesome, awesome photographer. photographer. I so love 
We're well, going to definitely pilfer some photos from him oh, yeah, and use it to promote that show. Maybe. And uh, I'm looking forward to that show because they had a, an amazing trip. Yeah. And it was cool too, because I think they went through some adversity with like their boat, their boat motor going down and oh, yeah. or something like that, or some bad weather. And so that'll, that'll make for, totally. I'm excited for that show too. Totally. So we're recording that tomorrow night. So that's coming out soon too. So everybody at home, you can listen for that. Uh, but we hope everybody's having a good season and everybody's staying healthy and having a good uh, good summer. Safe. Yeah, everybody stay safe out there. And um, yeah, don't forget to... Uh, actually, you know what? Can I give a little shout out really quick here? Can you guys, anyone listening that hasn't, and if, may, if you feel so inclined, maybe just head over to iTunes and give us a little rating because that helps us out. Mm-hmm. That helps us, that helps us kind of rise up on the podcast chats and get more people listening, which is always fun. Um, which leads to more guests and more good time. So yeah, everybody listening, if you could give us a little rate, love. that'd be great. That'd be wicked. Um, oh, Mitch, is there kind of a same thing for Spotify? I don't know. That's a good question. But if there is, if you could rate it on Spotify, <laughs> uh, we would love you for it. We would. We, love you for we'd it. love you for that too, because I know me personally, I use Spotify, and once yeah, we too. finally I'm got f- launched on Spotify, that was a big day for me. <laughs> I love listening to on Spotify. I gotta say, yeah. Yeah. and Spotify yeah. is not paying us to say this, by the way. But maybe if enough people rated us on Spotify, they they will. will. And then we could make we could make a show every day. That'd be sick. That'd be sick. Um, but anyways, I don't know. I don't know. The Mitchie's Fishies Daily Flycast. That'd be sick, man. That'd be so cool. Mitchie's Fishies Daily Flycast. The Mitchie's the Mitchie's Fishies Daily Flycast. <laughs> yeah, man. And well, you just call random people like the domino like the Domino's order desk and just ask them what their favorite fly is. <laughs> That'd be cool. I could dig that. Hey man, you know, you never know. We never know what we got coming down. I got some ideas trickling that we got to talk about because I got some ideas for some, for some, maybe some more episodes and more podcasts and things like that. So we'll, we'll do some, we'll do some chit chats. Uh, oh, but yeah. anyways, well, I'll probably come, I'll probably come see you on Saturday. Well, I'm coming, I'm probably coming down Sunday. So, so I'll come see you on Sunday then. Yeah. I'll, yeah. Why do you avoid me when you come to the city? Well, you know, let me, like, give me till Monday. I got to unpack and stuff, man. I've been gone for five months. Isn't that wild too? I've been gone for five months. <laughs> like, with that? I, know, I know i know what you've a just been fucking weird year man sequestered for oh. five months it's gone by is crazy so fast it's gone by so fast this year i can't i gotta understand the summer like, it feels like it just started if 2020 was a fish what what would it be oh man good question <laughs> i don't know that's a good question yoma if 2020 were a fish what 2020 would it be? was a fish one i think to me you know what it would be uh, I don't know because like, I don't, I don't, I don't know because there's so many ways to interpret that. Because if I say like, yeah, I <laughs> people are gonna be like, "Oh man, you like 2020?" I'm, well, I don't know. Like working from home was okay. Oh, but you know, like I can't say. I don't know. Yeah, it's hard to say because like people died. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but um, a shark? I know. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Like it's like I don't know. I don't know. I, yeah, I was... thought like I thought I was like I was like Pike because. I was gonna say I was gonna say a carp. I was gonna say a carp because it's like you're kind of unsure about it. Uh, You know, maybe they're fun sometimes, but for the most part, I don't know. Like you'd rather just go fish trout, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Not if you're you're Tom Rosenberg. Tom loves carp, Um, and you know what? Tom loves carp. Those carp, carp. the carp that they were catching, uh, Joe and Matt were catching, are wild. See that mirror carp Joe caught? That thing was wild. That that looked cool, man. I was going to say a pike or maybe barracuda because it's like like a bycatch because this is going so it's going so quickly and you know they're so zippy oh, yeah, when true. when they hit your fly yeah. but then they're also vicious 
and 2020 has been vicious yeah. for a lot of people. Yeah, um, that's true too. Not for us, obviously. That's true too. But um, but uh, which you know we're very lucky. Um, yeah, totally. But um, uh, but yeah, yeah. I'd say like a pike or a barracuda or something. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Barracuda, yeah, maybe. It's for however you've interpreted 2020, I guess. I was going to say carp, too. I also saw uh, Aaron Reed, uh, one of our former guests down in Texas, uh, tugboat operator, sent us what? a picture of him. Uh, brought his rod down to the night shift and caught a redfish off the barge, which is cool. Off the off the tugboat barge. <laughs> I would, yeah. like, first of all, yeah, that must have been cool. funny watching him try to, like, get the redfish on board. <laughs> so funny, man. And, it, yeah, I released it all good, but too funny, man. I love that. Hey, he, I don't know if he talks about this on his podcast, but I mean, he's catching tarpon in Rockport. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Well, I was like, uh, that picture that he posted. Uh, yeah, like before his shift, he just did some <laughs> casting and caught a tarpon. That was wild. So next time, Joe. Yeah. Put us on some tarpon. Yeah, if we can find those, be cool. Well, Chad, thanks again for coming on the show. Uh, what a nice guy! Super cool guy. Great to talk to. And uh, can't wait to fish with him one day. I'm sure he knows a lot. Oh yeah, wouldn't that be cool? Go down to Montana and swing, swing double handers for trout. Be the coolest thing, man. I would love to do that. And everybody, check out the show notes for uh, Total Outfitters info and and how to find uh, how to find all their stuff. And um, yeah, everybody, thanks for listening again. And stay safe out there. Um, That's it for me, Mitch. Aldo. Bye, everybody. Thank you, Yelma. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Everybody, take care. You can find all of SoFly's content at SoFly.ca. On Instagram, we're at the SoFly Crew. You can reach us at the SoFly Crew at gmail.com with any questions, comments, or concerns. On Facebook, we're SoFly, and our podcast is available on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Spotify.